Recorded live. Hey, how you guys doing? This is the producer from Brothers Comics. Welcome back. Welcome back to the double shot. This is a double-sized anniversary, not really, issue of uh, the, the comic book show. We usually have the throwback Thursday to uh, classic X-Men stories on the back end of our, our regular podcast, but um, because we had so many books and because we hadn't recorded in a, in a while, we had to record two separate issues. On the line again tonight are my two favorite mutants. We're going mutants on this one, y'all. My two favorite mutants uh, is Brother Beavis. Brother Beavis, say what's up, man. What's up, my mutants? Mutant, please. Mutant, please. And on another, uh, my other favorite mutant is the Sandman. Sandman, say what's up. Nijiwa, fellow mutants. We are back. Man. That's right. Yep, being mutant rich out in these mutant streets. Um, yeah, this is our Inferno podcast. And again, <laughs> for reasons that I cannot say. Yeah. <laughs> for reasons I cannot say. Can I we cannot get this podcast in. We have tried. Genosha was bad, but this one has been worse um, in trying to get this podcast recorded. Um, yeah, so like, I'm getting huge feedback. Hello, we got demons on the line. Yeah, we do. Yeah, I think Astrid. demons are crossing over from limbo right now. Yeah, that's what it is. All right, I think we're better there. I don't know if that was Sandman or not. Sandman, are you there? I assume it's Sandman. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're getting huge feedback there. Okay, so yeah, so basically, we, nope, I'm still recording backwards. What's going on here? Hold on, let me try. Is that any better? Much better. Okay. okay. Yeah, because I could hear myself. All right. Um, yeah, so we, we, we tried to get this recorded on, on multiple occasions. It just hadn't happened. It got ganked again this past Thursday. So, yeah, we're going to get it in tonight. Hopefully uh, nobody wakes up and disturbs this process here. All right, so this is leading out of Genosha now. The X-Men have been, or Chris Claremont had laid this plot line for a long time now, if you really think about this, from Madeline Pryor's first appearance, which was in X-Men 170-something. Um, Sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, this has been laid to bear It is bearing fruit now in issue number 239 and 240, which we're going to do tonight. As I was saying to Brother Beavis when I first started reading these books, originally when I was collecting, like I did not enjoy this story at all because I I had to read it in bits and pieces because, again, there was no um, secondary uh, market, so to speak, to be able to find the books. If you wanted to read it, you had to go buy it or you had to know somebody that that, that had it. And you know, mm-hmm. so you know, niggas be only wanting to let you read their books sometimes. I'm talking about you, big hush. So, um, yeah. Damn. <laughs> Why'd you get your paws of my comic books? So, um, yeah. So if you didn't know anybody, you wasn't able to do it. So I had to, you know, piece the books together here and there, three dollars here, four dollars here, to be getting some of these books because they are very popular books and. You know, when you're reading them seven or eight years later, they had a you know nice little price tag to them. So yeah, I didn't enjoy it then. But can you remember when you first read it, uh, Brother Beavis? You know, twenty plus years ago. Yeah, I had sort of the same feeling, like a, like I wasn't getting the whole story and didn't 
either read it close enough or read it consistently enough to make any sense of it. Um, and I think part of it too was like, I had no idea what was going on in the, in some of the other storylines. So yeah, I, no appreciation for it at the time. Sandman, can you remember when you read it? Yeah, I'm actually coming from the opposite direction of you guys because I was actually reading X-Factor pretty religiously at the time. I was just getting back onto X-Men, so I kind of backtracked to uh, uh, into this uh, crossover, so I was kind of up to date. So now, I, even though I knew what was going on going into the book, did not mean that I understood what the hell was going on in these stories sometimes. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's two different things, but I, at least I knew going in what was supposed to be going on. Yeah, we. I just didn't. Um, yeah, I just didn't get it. I didn't enjoy it. Like initially, yeah. I was like, I don't understand why this is like such a uh, like a big deal. But now yeah. coming back to reading it, I'm like, ah, now I get it. And as oh. I was saying before, like Chris Claremont has laid freaking seeds that are bearing fruit literally like ten years later. I mean, this is so ridiculous that oh. he was able to do this, whether it was purposeful or not. If somebody had to remember, like, oh, remember what you did back in episode issue one hundred and sixty something? What? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> so you know, right. and then the things that come out of this as well, you know, from strife to the legacy virus to cable. Yeah, I mean, all of the things that come out of this is just, uh, it's just ridiculous. So yeah, so big ups to Chris Claremont. He's gonna be at a con that I'm planning on attending in January. And maybe I'll ask him a question and hope my battery can withstand the the, the answer. And doesn't die because he's going to give me a very long-winded answer if I ask about this. So, uh, yeah. So shouts out to Chris Claremont. All right. So issue number two thirty-nine is our first issue tonight of two. Um, it's called Ignite the Inferno. Center's on the cover. We still got Mark Silvestri drawing the hell out of this freaking book. Um, uh-huh. Just dr- literally drawing the hell out of it. It opens yeah. up with the Empire State Building. It's being. Uh, it's possessed. And, um, you know, a little children die, Brother Beavis. That's not something that you normally see in college. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is a bit of a hardcore opening. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, very much. Yeah, yeah and then the dude that's mopping the floor, I, went, I read it the second time. I was like, is that the dude that was infected by the brood? The the, the guy that was... It looks uh, like him. Uh, like, yeah, yeah right. Like <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, shit, the brood is back, too? So, yeah, um... Then it shifts to I, I like not that I watched this show and uh, I, I'll fight you if you tell me that I did. Uh, Clarissa <laughs> explains it all was a popular show on Nickelodeon in the nineties. This would be called Sinister explains it all. Sinister um, <laughs> <laughs> is going to get a chance to explain pretty much everything that has happened since the X Men uh, died. Now he thinks that they're dead too. You want to take this part, brother? Viva? Yeah, so this is uh, the actually the, the the end of Follow the Mutants plays heavily into the storyline, but right. uh, the uh, the seven I think there were seven of them or, or nine was the magic number maybe was in the, and so they had to reverse Forge's magic to get rid of the last demons that were trying to cross over into uh, Earth, and the world saw their sacrifice broadcast and there was a weekend or so where people were like maybe mutants aren't so bad and then that wore off. Uh, and they went right back to where they were. But yeah, so as far as uh, the world and more importantly, the other mutants in the world that, uh, know the X-Men are dead. Yeah. Right. 
Sinister's really upset by this whole process because he'd been using these chess pieces himself to set up whatever he was going to do, essentially to get rid of the humans. Basically, he had a title shot, and then the X-Men failed the piss test, and now (laughs) he lost his payday. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yeah, it, it just didn't work out. Uh, Sinister's still rocking the booties, by the way. Uh, <laughs> nobody rocks. Nobody rocks the booties like Sinister. Uh, man, nobody. Uh, there's a scene here where, again, thrown back to follow the mutants, uh, where Polaris is still possessed by malice, um, and Sinister being the master manipulator, you know, it's like, well, I, I actually I had you possess her on purpose because I knew this was going to happen. Yach. And he manipulates it back to the fact where she gets all upset. He's like, you know what? You know, it's, it's okay. You know, you're going to be my main, uh, yeah, you know, like, This is my number one girl. What are you worried yeah. about? <laughs> <laughs> Sinister's a pimp. He's a straight what we're saying. Yeah, but what well, he's, I, I think the proper pimp. Don't worry about them hoes. You yeah. know my girl. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think the proper pimp term is bottom bitch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, she is my bottom bitch. You know, Blockbuster's still my bottom bitch, girl. You my, you my girl. You're my one only. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, so, it's, it's you know, it's a good scene of seeing how powerful he is, one, and two, how he's able to manipulate others into doing his bidding. Um, so, it's, it's just a great scene. And then we start to go through the X-Men, essentially one by one, through their pieces. And the first one that's come there where you get your title page, the issue was called Vanities, again, written by Chris Caramont, drawn by uh, uh, Mark Silvestri. And we get this opening scene with Dazzler at a bar in Australia, uh, dressed in a red, you know, dress, uh, looking, I guess, as bad as Dazzler could look. Yes, you know, she's, yeah, yeah, exactly. She's ready to do her thing. She's, still not really down with this hero thing. She still wants to be a singer, songwriter, you know, whatever the hell it is that Vanity, or Vanity, that Dazzler wants to be. And she goes in there. And, well, I know. Hey, sorry. And uh, the, the, the biggest issue or the biggest problem I have with this whole thing, and I tweeted this out before when we were going to record this podcast, is that Chris Claremont had the audacity to say that when she sang Proud Mary, she did it as better than freaking Tina Turner. I was like, look, nigga. Um, nah. <laughs> dangerous. Very dangerous. Look, my you grandmother would have old black you. pissed off. Yeah, my grandmother would have beat you with a cane, Chris Claremont. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. is literal blasphemy. You have no yes. how much black people love freaking Tina Turner. So don't do that with Dazzler. Dazzler, of all people, is going to be doing Tina Turner stuff. So, uh, yeah. Okay, so my app crapped out on me here. We're frozen. I have notes, though. I have notes. So the second one there is that the first one is Dazzler. Who's the second person that they check on here? Havoc. So Havoc. Long shots Havoc. in the background, but then they go to yeah. Havoc. Yeah, yeah, they go to Havoc. Havoc is pushing himself with his powers and running. He's still upset about the two times that he had to use his powers where he bitched mm-hmm. out on essentially anyway, which we run him on this podcast because he never wants to use his powers when he had to kill the brood. And then when he had to shoot Polaris out of the sky uh, when she yeah. was about to kill somebody. I mean, he's – Alex, again, because they do such a better job with him later on, but he is awful in these books, Brother Beavers. I mean, just awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he is. He, he's, I mean, he's terrible. And 
I don't, you know, it's not really until I think he gets the X factor that he really comes around because he's caught up in the extinction agenda story. Because mm-hmm. once they go through the siege perilous, he disappears until that. Um, but yeah, he's, I mean, he comes out of this. He's, he's, he tells us that spoiler alert at the end, he tells us it's going to be all, you know, he's, he's, he's changed and he's all hard now or whatever. But I mean, he's most definitely still a bitch at this point in the story. Yes, he is a total bitch. And also, and, he, and, and it gets even better when he has to wear his girl's clothes too. Like he has to dress up like man too. <laughs> Well, uh, and we're gonna, and it'll come up here later. In the fact that he's out diddling his his freaking sister in law too. Now, yes, he could have been under the possession of the Goblin Queen. Blah 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 blah. Ain't got nothing to do with your dick, nigga. You knew that you was diddling your freaking uh your sister and your sister in law. I mean, that's really what he's doing. And he tried to resist, but it really didn't work. Um, so it didn't work. yeah, <laughs> no, not in the least. Uh, so yeah, so Havoc's still a bitch. Uh, he meets up with Madeline, but that's going to come back up in a little bit. But, yeah. Uh, the other story, which will come up in a, the second part of this podcast, will be um, the return, air quotations, of Jean Grey and Storm learning about it. Logan had known because he smelled her in, uh, in the tunnels back in the, the Mutant Massacre, which was like in the 220. So he's, he's known for almost two years now that she was alive. Storm is, nigga, why didn't you tell me, essentially? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, because you know this is something too that they kind of um that they always say in these books but haven't gone and read back a lot of these since we've been doing that it's like oh she was my best friend did you ever really see like this relationship between storm and Jean? like she's like oh she was my sister because it seems kind of mammy like they talked about it a lot and they didn't show it a lot they both mm-hmm. talk about it a lot but they never show it that's no, what I remember. Storm talks about it a lot. Uh, but I don't ever see them. <laughs> I don't ever see, yeah. like, I don't remember, like, a bunch of scenes with Gene and Storm yeah. hanging out. Because think about it. Okay, so, because think about it. Okay, so she comes on on the on in Giant Size or whatever. Then mm-hmm. it's like a few issues. I mean, it's a few issues later where Gene actually becomes freaking Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And then right. Dark Phoenix, and then she's dead. Like, how, what yeah. friendship did y'all have? Like, seriously. Yeah. Like, this, I mean, it wasn't like this big thing. Like, I'm trying to think of a scene where I saw them two hanging out together, going to shop, doing something, and that you would consider, like, oh, she was my best friend. She was, like, my sister, other than the fact that y'all was, like, you know, two of the only women on the team. They, uh, they In the original run, they didn't. Like, uh, years later, they had a, a book called X-Men Classics where they – basically reprinted the original books and in the back of mm-hmm. those they had original stories that followed up what happened in the uh original book and one of those a couple of those had uh uh Jean and uh, uh Storm um going through some adventures or whatever like when she first came to uh, New York and Jean uh uh she Storm visitor at her apartment or something if I remember right and uh that was a lot like that. They had like uh, it wasn't just them. Obviously, it was all the X Men. But um, yeah. so they tried to play backstory, or uh, you know, backpedal and make some. Uh, no, it's uh, retcon. Fill us all in. Yeah, yeah, it's not totally retcon. Yeah, but that's been it. There's literally what you just said was true. There's literally nothing between them and the original books outside of a couple of uh, 
uh, maybe a word here or there, but that's it, you know. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is that as well, Madeline has been um, flirting around with goblins and freaking demons and stuff. She's also been playing with the computers <laughs> all over the place, and it's you know it's like that scene in Jurassic Park uh, where Newman. Like and controlled all the computers and don't nobody else know what's going on. Like they're like, well, I think she did something. I don't know, you know. But it's rewinding. It's rewinding. Like I have no idea what's going on here. Uh, but as a part of that, they're able to see that Madeline has done a lot of work on the computer, and uh, that's going to come back later on too. As uh, she didn't, to... she didn't clear her browser history, and she no. <laughs> Mutant Hub. What the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <laughs> all right, I'm good. All right, so I'm drinking, by the way. Um, so, yeah, so there's Jean Grey. They check in on there. Uh, Storm is really upset. And then the other scene, which I thoroughly enjoyed, that I think I don't know how long they waited to get to this point, but I'm so glad they did for the future, um, is uh, – Psylocke, uh, Colossus, and Rogue are training. Uh, Rogue is still under the mind control of Carol Danvers. And um, they have like, this training thing. Betsy, you know, is really able to kind of read thoughts and whatnot. And there's this big old fight scene. And, you know, it's just like a good like kind of non-danger room type scene. Uh, Psylocke doesn't like the, the playing around. But the best part about that is Psylocke is almost butt-ass naked. Um, and then they finally tell us. They finally reveal to us what's under that armor. Hey, girl, what's under that armor? What's up? How you doing? <laughs> they finally. Because it, well, because later on they play it up to the point where she's never in clothes, essentially. So, I mean, you know, let's kind of – because she's going to come up in a, in another book later here. Uh, have you ever – are you a fan of Psylocke or Revenge or that whole situation, uh, Sandman? Or are you a bigger fan of Psylocke? I'm a fan of looking at her. Outside of that, I, she's about the most craziest character you can find. Uh, it like yeah, that whole thing with what's her name? Yeah, Revanche, the, the mm-hmm. Asian. Um, this is before that. Uh, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, way before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is her in her armor days, where you know she's just basically a white girl with telepathic powers. She's basically another version of Jean Grey without the Phoenix. Uh, so yeah, she's wearing the armor and stuff. Uh, up until. Um, all that stuff happened with Revenge, and uh, she became, you know, hot and Asian. I didn't really care about her. <laughs> That's just me. Uh, which, I mean, her claim to fame was basically she was Captain Britain's sister, I guess, and that's, that was basically it. That's all I knew about her. And, and then she just magically started appearing in the X-Men. I was like, okay, you know, she's with the X-Men now. Huh? Okay, I don't care. She's just a telepath to me. Are you a Psylocke fan? Are you a Psylocke fan, Brother Beaver? Well, I think the issue in in Sandman touched on some of this stuff is like she is another character that her story was played out across several books, and so you have to know you have to know some Excalibur history. You probably had to read some annuals, and she just wasn't around long enough, I think, to really kind of matter. Um, right. And so you know, it's like by the time you get a feel for her, she's almost gone. Well, then she's changed, and the change really kind of doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, but that's more Siege Perilous stuff. So I, in these stories, I like her as a character. I think she's got, like, a good attitude. I think she's got a good power set. She's almost always, like, ends up screwing him over because she loses control of her powers or whatever. But, you know, I think 
I think that it before she was almost gone before you could even care about this. And then she becomes sort of like the Jim Lee fetish character um, hmm. that's really known more for her appearance than anything else. Oh, and for saying the focus totality of her mental powers, like every time she uses her power. Um, so, kinda, but not really. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I am generally a fan. I'm generally a fan of um, any female characters that inspire awesome cosplay, um, and Psylocke does. She inspires just absolutely ridiculous cosplay, so I'm a fan. I, yeah, the old thing with revenge and oh yeah, yeah, you're you're British now, so yeah. <laughs> I don't see it. Oh, here fanboys be getting too upset about that particular uh, race bended role there, but you know whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I think the character is actually pretty cool in both versions, and like I like this version as well. I like the half naked one too. Um, but yeah, I, I've always been sort of a fan of Psylocke. I kind of like her power set. Um, and she's got a good rack. All right. Anyway. So, <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> uh, so there's a great bit of, of Colossus there when she's starting to get, uh, first off, why she's taking a, a bath in her, in her negligee, by the way, like as long as you just get naked, but yeah. there's a, like Colossus has a, a, you know, a shock look on his face, but I have a, I have a, I have a take on that though. That's because he's used to seeing thirteen-year-olds. He's not used <laughs> to seeing like a woman. <laughs> Doesn't he end up like drawing her naked here shortly? Yes, after he, that? Does. Yeah. he does. He yeah. does. Yeah. Yes. How did nigga getting pencils in his hands when they full of metal and stuff, man? Like what? He's using them big pencils that they used to give us in elementary school. Toddler crayons. Come on, man. The book's just back. Uh, and the sinister is making his narration about his greatest creation, and he's, you see his crystal figure of Madeline. Uh, it shifts back again as uh, Havoc is thinking. This is so messed up. If you look at the picture, he has a picture of him and Polaris like on the table. He's rocking. He's rocking his freaking black speedos. Um, but that didn't matter. She Madeline comes out of nowhere. She's got this blue dress on. Devil in a blue dress. And he's like, oh, okay. And, you know, they go over this whole story and essentially, like, he's like, he's trying to resist, but she's really laying it on kind of thick. And, you know, hey, you know, your brother left me. He left me and he left the baby. Like, I mean, you know, we're both two hurting people. Your girl possessed by a demon. You know, mine is fucking my doppelganger. I mean, you know, <laughs> why why shouldn't we be together? <laughs> makes perfect sense, yeah, right? Put it that way. As <laughs> <laughs> little sense as that makes, yeah. Yeah, he was like, you know what? That makes sense, and my dick is hard. So <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> so yeah, it just didn't work out. He tried. He, I mean, he literally did try. But when she was like, you know what? I'm gonna leave. He's like, wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, no, don't do that. So yeah, so. They they do the mutant mambo. Um, I, I, it is kind of weird though, and like I said, we run Psychops on this podcast for being a horn dog and for all the things that he's done. And we all know that if the shoe was on the other fit, he would have totally laid out Lord of Day. Like there's no there's no 
there's no story in the in that's not thought of where Scott doesn't like have sex with Polaris. There's just none. So and then just, send a picture of it to Professor X. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is my way of fucking magnet. Here, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, all right. Hey, I okay. can't make it to the danger room, bitch, because I'm just so <laughs> full of <laughs> Sorry, y'all. I could Love Alex. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's no doubt that, there's no doubt that uh, Charles Xavier would definitely be a dude that would, like, there's no doubt that, excuse me, Scott would be the person that would be sending dick pics to, like, girls. <laughs> 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 There's literally no doubt in my mind that Scott would do that. And totally deny it. Totally deny that it was his dick. But he would totally do it. So, um, yeah. He's like, you don't see Ruby Quartz on that dick, do you? That ain't mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. he would actually probably put little glasses on his dick. <laughs> and <laughs> and oh, shit. <laughs> like, guess who? He's um, like, people think I get called Cyclops because of my visor. That ain't it. <laughs> Only got one eye for you, girl. All right, so oh, no. <laughs> this, this is falling apart. Yeah, really quickly. So Sinister goes in this whole story. Did he is it implied or not implied? Does he have baby? The baby then, and I'm not sure how he got the baby. Well, let me let me help you with that. Thank <laughs> you. So part of the plot here, and a lot of this plays out in. So I've read the terrible book, so you don't have to. So the Thank not you. only is the New Mutants a part of this, but the Exterminators is a part of this as well. Oh, God. Yeah. So uh, if I recall correctly, the when they kidnapped uh, in the X Men book, when when they when she got kidnapped right before um, uh, right before the Genosha stuff, that's when he got a hold of of uh, the baby. But what they're trying to do is they need 13 children so they can open up a gate between Limbo and the Earth. And so okay. part of what's going on is um, one of the demons, Nastier, has empowered, I think he's empowered Madeline because she's the one that has to open the gate. Um, mm-hmm. And then they're hoping right. that they can gain control over both Limbo and the Earth. Okay, That's the demon right. side of the story. I think this is right. the first time that they name check the baby all the way. Like we talked about this when the baby was born that they mm-hmm. don't really even say the baby's name. And then I think this time where they're giving the full Nathan Christopher Charles Summers, I think this is the first time they fully name check him. And which is probably why the book probably why the book costs so freaking much. And so, you know, it it and then you see Nasher there as as this is all going on. And, you know, the full turn of the Goblin Queen, whether it was from having sex with him, whatever, it, the, the the turn is fully there. And the book really ends with her talking about, you know what, I want my baby and I want the Marauders to pay for it, essentially, uh, because she wants to get revenge on them. And, you know, that's 239. There's great art in this book, by the way. I mean, Sylvester is literally drawing his ass off on this. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it looks so great. She looks great. Like every mm-hmm. every turn, especially in two forty as it's coming up, like every turn of her on her face, her facial expressions and the dresses that she has where it switches from her being in the Goblin Queen dress, excuse me, back to like into this black dress, all her blends in the shadows and stuff. 
I mean, dude, just he's killing this book. Oh my gosh, this yeah. is so great. So yeah, yeah. Uh, she wants her son. That's two thirty nine. All right, so we get to two forty. As my app is slow to pick up here. I don't know why it always does this when I didn't do this when I was reading freaking Falcon. Could have helped me out there. <laughs> Gee. Um, as we get to 240, um, let's see. Hold on my notes here. Um, oh, yeah, it opens up with Madeline and Alex on a date at the um, Empire State Building, which is completely haunted. Uh, there's a Ghostbusters throw-in here. That's the Ghostbusters, right? I'm not crazy. Uh, yeah, pretty much. much. So, yeah, I mean, I was thinking that the, the last one, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. So this is what nineteen. Yeah, this is what nineteen eighty six. That's what I'm thinking. Maybe later, or maybe later. Uh, Hold on. Uh, maybe a little Nineteen eighty eight. Okay. Eighty eight. Okay, so this yeah. is okay. So this would have been around Ghostbusters two, not Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is eighty three, okay. I think. So this uh-huh. is the Bobby Brown Ghostbusters, Brother Beavis. Oh, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh Lord! That song came up on a Twitter beef fight the other day, and to the effect of somebody, well, to the effect of somebody was like, "Oh, you know what? That uh, that song, that's a really good." Uh, well, somebody was defending Ghostbusters too, which is ass cheeks, and like that Bobby Brown song, which is awful. And I was like, and he's like plays a freaking uh, yeah. uh, his cameo in there is. Full coon, yeah. coon on there. Let me get the door for you, sir. That's playing yeah. the freaking doorman. I was like, wow, oh, I didn't man. think about that. Holy shit. Oh, yeah, that. It's yeah. bad. So, that movie was bad. I think, anyway, but yeah. 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 On your on your own, I think, is the is the yeah. proud, So, But anyway, all right. So, yeah. So, Madeline Pryor and Alex Summers, they're dancing the, the Tripping the Lights Fantastic at the Empire State Building. Um, they're going to make their way down the haunted elevator. Alex is clueless because, you know, he's Alex fucking, he's, well, he's fucking a demon. And, um, you know, and if you see some of those shots there, like there's one there where she's in the shadows where she's all blacked out except for her eyes. Um, um going to demon. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, shadow it's, demon, yeah. yeah, it's just great. I mean, it's just really yeah, great. So, um, so Vestry really draws the female form really well, especially naughty ones. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> Nobody does naughty like Mark Sylvester. He's probably got that on his card. Yeah. Um, Respect. Yeah, no, exactly. No, I'm not hating it. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, they make their way out of the building uh, and back to, and um, uh, what's his name with the bowler? Uh, oh, um, yeah. The teleporter with the uh, gateway. Gateway, yeah, he takes them back oh, to Australia, man. and she's like, oh, you know, he's thinking he's about to get some booty, and she's like, yeah, sorry, and she's like, time shifts back out of there, and then he goes back down to her computer, and, you know, she again, she left the browser open, and, she's, and she's, he sees a chance to see what all she's doing, it'll come up back in a little bit, uh, but does she, she time shifts back out to, I think this is Massachusetts or whatever, Connecticut, and uh, to, the, uh, to the grave site of Jean Grey. And she's being pulled into these situations by Nastra because he is. Uh, would you say he's manipulating her, brother Beavis? Yeah. So he's. Uh, he, uh, if you want the story, uh, I'm you ready. recall Velasco was the uh, the Lord of Limbo that that stole Ileana, and 
Nasser always wanted to be his apprentice. He's a sorcerer. He always wanted to be Velasco's apprentice, but um, uh, Velasco only trains the ladies. So he trained up uh, Ileana, <laughs> and he trained up uh, Storm. And so this is his bid for power now. Is is he's um, he's trying to get it. He's trying to get control a different way. Right. Well, yeah. Um, I, I kind of always thought, you know, reading this before and then reading it now, I'm like, who's controlling who here? And it's like it's yeah. definitely. I, I think yeah. that she's in control because she's the main character, but she's not. He's totally manipulating her and totally putting her into a situation where he knows it's, it's more advantageous to himself. Um, there's this whole thing where she goes off on um, Jean's grave and then turns her uh, her parents into, like, her demon dogs, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's kind of a you know, dark scene, is. too, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And, you know, and she gets into the full Goblin Queen outfit. Now, I have yet, and I've been to many cons, I have yet to see a woman um, go full Goblin Queen or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You probably won't let me, be then. <laughs> she, she, let me tell you something that's going to happen if that particular event ever occurs at a con that I'm at. Um, <laughs> remember that scene uh, in Harlem Nights uh, and after my man had sex with Sunshine? Hey, um. hey, baby, I ain't coming home no more. Take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what's going to happen, um, because the day I go to a con and see a live woman uh, dressed up as a Goblin Queen, yeah, I ain't coming back. That's it. He works <laughs> out. The producer wakes up on Monday. Hey, where are you going? I got to go to work. Dressed like that? You better put that Goblin Queen outfit back on. <laughs> never wearing it. I can't yeah, wear the Goblin Queen home. outfit to work. You better figure it out. You you better better figure it out. So I left my whole family for you. I left my whole family for you. Put that shit back on. Yeah, so, so I'm just letting y'all know ahead of time because uh, that might happen. Um, okay, so the other shift scene here is back to Australia. Now, when you see it initially and you see, one, somebody roller skating, which is goofy, and then the outfit mm-hmm. is goofy, too. They, he... As, as much as I like Mark Silvestri, he I've always envisioned Rogue, maybe from the 90s, whatever, having curves. He gives her, like, no curves. She has literally no hips, and when they give her <laughs> her butt shot, it's, she has super long thighs. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it's just not, like, a good look. But when you see it initially, I'm like, you know, it's not even sure if that was Rogue because of the helmet. And so they're rolling. Yeah. It doesn't work out. and then. Uh, uh, Dazzler goes into a jealous rage. I'm still wearing the same clothes she had on last night, by the way. So, just mm-hmm. just saying, yeah. And then they have this fight over Longshot, and it gets into this. She calls her a hussy. I'm like, what? in 1988. <laughs> 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 I had a tramp. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, but, still, but, but tramp tramp has long uh, linguistic. Um, Years, <laughs> um, yeah. Hussey died yeah. a long time ago, man. Yeah, that's like uh, a sixth term, I think. Maybe. Yeah, and, not, and it wasn't 1988. Yeah, it wasn't 1988. Yeah. And they have a little battle, and you know, Dazzler gets her, her, you know, because she's fighting out of rage. You know, she gets her, her, her licks in. Uh, but you know, it, 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 long shot goes, oh, you know, we're friends. You can't make possessions of your friends. And I I took that to interpret that Longshot was trying to fuck Rogue too. 
Based on <laughs> <laughs> That's a good assessment. Well, you yeah, see yeah. here, this is like the, the seeds of the corruption that primarily these characters go through as the story progresses. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's fine. It's just, you know, I, I just think really thinking it was an Archie and Veronica thing. He was, you know, I'm going to try to get them both in a three-way. Thanks, Banky. All right. So, <laughs> um, so, and there's a crash and a boom because he got knocked out. And then you see Betsy, you know, uh, with Colossus drawn or naked, uh, with his little tiny pencils, and you know it's just a big. It's still in his costume, by the way. <laughs> yeah. But he can't yeah. change though. Remember, he, change he, back, right? he could have put on his shirt. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> he just pretty much put his costume on the time. On something. Yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It's fine, but yeah, it, it you know it's just a kind of a fun little scene. Or, borrow, or borrowed a cloak from Magneto, borrowed a purple ass bathrobe, something. Yeah, I mean he could have wore Betsy's cloak, you know, yeah. and like wrap that around. Yeah. But they got, yeah. the, they got the unstable molecules, don't they? Oh, this is know. true. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so the the scene really the, the book shifts to them trying to find the Marauders, and they do. That's basically it. Uh, Madeline has. You know, left the computer on. They're able to figure out the whatever you know one two three password, and then they're going to find out that the moderators are back in the uh, in the in the mutant tunnels in the alley, and they're going to head that way. But in between them going out there, we finally get the reveal reveal for uh, Madeline Pryor, and again something that had been building since her appearance, since before the wedding, since before all the silhouetted Phoenix stuff. All of this about is she a clone of Jean Grey? Is she of her own person? What is she? All of that. And Nastra really reveals to her that, you know, you're a clone. He doesn't tell her straight out, but he shows her every little thing that you could possibly give as a clue to a person to tell him, like, you're not even close to who you're thinking you, that you are. And if there wasn't enough, there's a Scooby Doo reveal. This <laughs> 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 like, oh, yeah, move one, trial one primary replicant, codename Madeline. Okay, like, so now you really need to know that you are not that particular person, that you were made in a tube. You don't know who made you, but you were made in a tube. Uh-huh. So, like, that's I a mean, coincidence. This clone's name is Madeline, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you think, do you, I mean, again, reading this 20-plus years later, when when I read it, like, 20 years ago, I was like, oh, oh, dang, that's messed up. Now I kind of was like, you know, knowing that it was coming, I'm like, yeah, it's still kind of messed up. And you could kind of see how it would really turn her, like, into a crazy evil person. Like, when you completely thought that whatever you thought was, like, you, like now it's like, oh, now I see why this would be bothersome, and I have to go out and, you know, like, have, like, you know, team up with demons or whatever to take down the person that did it. Like, I could totally get it. So, I, yeah, I mean... I always, I really want to know, like, the sequence of events as far as like, all right, we killed off Jean Grey. We want to bring back Jean Grey. We could bring back a clone. Let's bring back a clone. Oh, no, we get the real Jean Grey. What do we do with the clone? You know, what What was yeah. the sequence of events? And, and was this her originally intended fate? Was this a result of, uh, you know, the fact that X-Factor came back? And, you know, what was the sequence of events that led us here behind the scenes? Hey, yeah. And again, That's a good question. At Comic Revolution in January or February, I may <laughs> attempt to ask Chris Claremont that question. And again, 
He will have an answer. It'll be a long answer. It'll be a long long ass answer. Because, again, (laughs) we're going to be talking about something that took, I mean, over that time and all the meetings and the back and the forth, I'm sure they talked about that. I mean, again, I think we've all read that. It wasn't even a what if. It was something that came out later on about how Jean Grey wasn't supposed to die in 137. You know, I mean, they were just supposed to depower her, and they were going to keep it moving from there. But they decided to make that move to kill her. And I I swear to God, 25 years later, they still regret it. Or 35 years later, they still regret killing her. You know, because they they keep trying to and bring her back. Well, lo and behold, next month, she's back next month alive. From bring back women that look like her clones, with the Rachel Summers, all these Rachel others. Summers, uh, uh, Hope bringing back, yeah, yeah. Hope Summers, Hope I mean, Summers, just, yeah. I mean, they could have just kept her alive. They chose to not do that, and they've regretted it ever since. So, whatever. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the X Men are going to make their way to the uh, Morlock Cuddle. Uh, something that we've been talking about on this podcast uh, for the X Men books is in these earlier books where the X-Men would fight a villain, they would take a heavy L the first time. And then the second book, they would hulk up, and then they would start beating the, whoever the villain is. Um, this is not that situation. Um, the Marauders take a absolutely freaking Randy <laughs> Mulkin beating uh, by the X-Men. <laughs> But when both Mokis for this beating, they took it. I mean, they take an absolute beating. I mean, there's a little bit of offense um, near the end before they make their hasty retreat. Yeah, but, that's the thing he was run away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is bad. I mean, I mean, the Colossus, Cold Clocks, what is this dude's name? Block Blockbuster. Blockbuster, yeah. who is, who, by the way, was killed by Thor originally. If you if you want to go in the timeline of events, yeah. and uh, okay. in his book, yeah, Thor head crushed it with Mjolnir. And well, Riptide so is I, in not, there too, and Colossus killed yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, he broke his neck, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, honestly, As, and again, not thinking about it, like, oh yeah, sinister on that shit, you know, yeah. just replicating people, you know, just that because is, he can. There you go. As there Dusty go. would say in regard to Blockbuster. You gonna see a pair of legs fly up here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really bad. I mean, it's really bad. They beat the living bajupa dupes out of these dudes. They don't get <laughs> any offense at all. I mean, yeah. I mean, even nobody. Get, I mean, again, at the end, yes, like because Polaris gets in there and she starts throwing Colossus around because he's metal. But beyond that, it is an absolute. Yeah floor wiping of the Marauders. And, again, this is somebody that they built up for a while, and they got, like, huge offense the first time that they they fought the X-Men because that was the first time, and they beat them down pretty good. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And now, Mm -hmm. though, that was not the case. I mean, even Dazzler took out – essentially took out Sabretooth. Dazzler took out (laughs) Sabretooth. Okay? Let that marinate in your brain piece for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, and rib ties, throwing things, and long shot catching all. I mean, there was sex. <laughs> it's, it's like Flair. It's like Flair chopping Sting at the end of the match. It's like it doesn't even matter. He's like, ah! just screaming. You it doesn't matter anymore. Your offense doesn't affect me at all. So it's just not a good look uh, for the Marauders. Um, and then there's another thing where uh, Blockbuster gets pulled into 
yeah. but like into the demon, the demon, yeah, the wall, uh, whatever, yeah, yeah. whatever, pulls him in, uh, and then as the book is starting to wrap up, uh, excuse me, hold on, my app is crapping out. Of course, I, that's why I have to go to my additional notes. Um, yeah, so the Marauders flee, um, and then it's it switches back to Madeline at uh, the situation with Nastrip, and she's like. I told you, I warned you. Um, like, I want information about what's going to lead to my baby. If you don't do that, I'm gonna, I'm, you're gonna fuck you up too. And he's like, I'm giving you this information. This is what, this is where you need to be. And you know, the last final scene or the last panel is the reveal of Sinister. You know, you could call me Zaddy um, because I am your daddy. Uh, and you know, and it's a great scene. You know, booties and all. That Charles like, Xavier yeah. never told you about your father. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. And you know, and then that's the end of it. And that's it. And yeah. Inferno Part Two is you know, we'll 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 pick up in, in next week. Again, initial starts to the story. We won't get we were able to get it in. Initial parts of the story, uh Brother Beavis. Uh, this is to me it's exciting, but I, I don't know. I don't want to jump ahead of anybody else. Yeah, like you said, there's a there is a big ass whooping, and they do move. They actually do move this thing around along pretty soon. You get like the whole story, like next episode, and then Maddie sets on her path. So uh, yeah, it comes together pretty quick. Um, yeah, it's it's good. It's much better this, than I remember. Yeah, is this a story yeah. that? No, I don't want to put it in an X Men movie. But is there elements to this story that could appear in an X-Men movie? Because they could not do the whole thing because of the demons and all that. But is this something that could appear in an X-Men movie, like a clone of that, of Jean Grey? Because, well, mm. whichever time, whichever, well, we don't know what timeline they're working with in the movies anymore. But, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, they seem to like alternate realities that aren't related to the X-Men movies. Is there some version of this that could make it into... Uh, to a movie fan, man. Um, they could do anything if they really tried. I mean, um, I never thought they could pull off Days of Future Past when they actually did. I mean, they, Kitty, Kitty Pride, uh, sending people back in time. I was, I was calling bullshit on, but uh, they can. The point is, they could change things around so they they could come up with some kind of crazy version of this. I got no doubt. Um, and make no mistake, this is a crazy story. <laughs> you got yeah. demons. You got uh, uh, cloned redheads of established characters. You got uh, uh, this is all uh, coming down through the showdown between the two X groups, and that's one of the reasons I remember it so well because, uh, like I said before, I was following X Factor, and the X Men, uh, the original X Men, which was X Factor at this point in time, and the current X Men have not seen each other for a long time. And that's basically what this whole thing in a nutshell was about, those two teams coming together again and this conflict and a lot of unresolved things that have been uh, going on for a long time finally come to a a head. Madeline, the baby, Cyclops abandoning her, uh, Jean and Madeline finally meeting face-to-face and all the craziness that that's going to entail. So, uh, yeah, that was a long answer. <laughs> but, yeah, they could do it, and there's a lot of stuff that comes to a head in these next couple of issues. What's funny is the X-Men movies have not gone either extra planar or even really out into space. Mm-hmm. And That's the last thing they haven't done, yeah. 
and there's a lot of significant stories where that comes to be. And that that's one of my big questions of if we're doing Dark Phoenix, are we going to get the Shi'ar and the Star Jammers or anything along those lines? And if not, I mean, it just feels like too small to work. And I think I've read things that they have said that they are not going to space. So no, they're, they're trying to ground it. Yeah, they're going to be grounded. So what are we doing here? Bode well. Yeah, and, no, it doesn't. Yeah, and what, was Singer in charge of this movie? Because he's going to have some um, issues um, here. Well, he, did a, he did Apocalypse, but I don't know that that was so great that he was around. I don't know what his deal was, but um, I, 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 I shit the bed on Apocalypse. So yeah, that didn't but do I think, very well. But I think he's the director of this one that's coming out. Like I think he's um, and the director of the Phoenix movie for the summer. I think. I, um, no, I actually, actually, it's it's um, the other idiot that was on the Van Forstick, um, Kimberg. Simon Kimberg, he's uh, the director uh, of this one. Yeah, okay. um, yeah. I think um, what's his name is a uh, producer, but I don't know how much of a producer he is. Same I think it's more yeah. name. Than it. And plus, uh, with the allegations that have come out lately, he may not be yeah. doing that. So. Yeah, he's going to be busy. Um, it's yeah, going to be it's right. going to be hard to make anything in Hollywood. I mean, yeah, everybody's but, like got their head down right now. Well, I mean, <laughs> what I yeah, mean. it's gonna mean it's probably. I mean, I think we're supposed to record a brothers' comics podcast, and then I was like, I was telling them, I was like, I think we're gonna wind up having to dedicate an entire portion of the podcast to, hey, who got accused of sexually harassing somebody this week, and it's it takes forever. A whole bunch of them. It's yeah. gonna be like, like it, it might be like who didn't get accused of sexually harassing yeah, somebody. You, you would be easier because, to do that. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's just insane. Um, and probably, and the worst part is probably all true. But that's a whole other podcast. Uh, Sinister's supposed to make his appearance in the Gambit movie if, if and when it ever gets made. Uh, I think there was a mm. out there that Daniel Craig might be playing the role of Gambit or of Sinister. Wow. Um, yeah, I'd Sinister, probably rather yeah. see him as Gambit, but um, <laughs> you know, the, they've already teased the you know the Essex Foundation. I think I guess that was at the end of Logan or the end at of, the end of Apocalypse. That was the Apocalypse. Episode. Okay, so they've already yeah. teased Sinister, uh, but mm-hmm. they haven't really done anything. Uh, I guess it was really haven't really made a movie since that. That no, this could even or except for Logan, and that wasn't anything for Logan. That would probably yeah. made sense with all the genetic testing. It probably would have made sense to throw some sinister in there, but it was a completely mm-hmm. different timeline for Logan. So, um, yeah. whatever. Yeah, I, I've seen that movie again too. And I, I, I think I dislike it more than I did the first time I saw it. I've seen <laughs> it. I think I've seen it three times now too. Um, wow. Yeah. The first, well, I saw it on a booter the first time, which I, and mm-hmm. I was on a day off from work and I was just like, I, I don't know if I'm in it. I think I fell asleep and cause I'm old and I'm tired. And I was like, oh, I don't think I like this too much. And then I saw it again. And I was like, um, okay, I think I get it. You know, what else? Okay, I can see why people like it. And then the third time I saw it on DVD, I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know about this. And again, <laughs> it, it came after uh, two shitty movies. So anything, not anything, but it's better than those two. But again, that doesn't make it a good mm-hmm. movie. But whatever. I mean, right. I mean, yeah. I know you liked it. We know you liked it. Same well, I, I, <laughs> I was just going to say that I think the R-rated thing kind of roped some people into liking it probably more than it. They probably don't even know if they even like the movie at all. The fact that they just had Wolverine chopping mofos up, literally, mm-hmm. and dicing people, is what they liked. 
Yeah, that yeah. overread everything else. I think a right. lot of people have that. Have that understood. Thing, so. Yeah. Okay. Do y'all want to do Astonishing X Men number five as we get close to about an hour? Uh, I don't know who's got a chance to read it. I did not read that, so there's not much to it. There's not much to it. Okay, so we'll just leave it then. At at a point, that story needs to wrap up too. I was like, we're on Astonishing X Men number five. Like, yeah, Yeah. the big, uh, the big, the big ending is uh, the Incredible Hulk Angel starts to come out. Yeah, that's basically. And I I don't know why that. Why I don't know why that. Where we're supposed to care about that, but <laughs> well, and I think I'm at a point. Well, and I think I'm at a point too. Like, um, I did. Who knew our archangel was so evil that he had to be held in check like the Hulk? Because as badass yeah. as he looks, he was never badass in terms of like being super powerful. He just wasn't as no. pissy and yeah. pussy as, he, as the so angel he, was. They push him a lot in this story. Um, yes, he's just yeah. coming out of yeah. like apocalypse's control, and they're playing up like he's got these demonic wings and he can't control mm-hmm. it or whatever. He and they control actually walk yeah. that back, and they're like, "No, it was you all the time. Stop being a bitch. Just yeah. get your wings. Just yeah. fly around." It was your team that told him that too. Yeah, it was like, "Yeah, stop being a bitch. I'm tired of it." Yeah, <laughs> it I mean, and there's, a, yeah. and there's a good there's a good bit in there where you know you get a chance to see Gambit. I guess we are reviewing this a little bit. You get a chance to see Gambit now. He's under the possession of the Shadow King and, you know, mm-hmm. to do Gambit types of things, you know, flips and uh-huh. exploding things. And, and exploding as he, thing, yeah. you know, but you see Bishop also get turned, like, into, you know, a minion for the Shadow King or whatever really Shadow quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I mean, it was like, that. really? Like, Bishop didn't even get a chance to fight it off. He was just like, hey, Lucas. Man, Bishop. Yeah, Lucas. Oh. Sorry. Yeah, and he called it. He name checks him too. By the way. He does Lucas Bishop too. And you know, it's like, oh, wow. you get a chance to fight. Like, ah, oh, man. And, you know, and, but, and it, yeah, it's funny it's, too. It's, like, how Gambit becomes ultra powerful as soon as he's charmed. You know, like, yeah. You know, that's yeah. sort of a trope. Like, they become unstoppable. Or like Rogue. Rogue could mm-hmm. be the entire X Men as a villain. And mm-hmm. basically, yeah. she's getting taken out by the opening salvo and fights after that. Right. Pretty yeah, much. It's just, yeah, it, it, it fits the story. And uh, Charles is essentially, he's, again, we're reviewing this now. Essentially, Charles is, uh, he's on the, he's, he's created all these separate astral planes to uh, try to save the X-Men and try to get himself freed from the Shadow King who stole his body when he died when uh, Cyclops killed him. Uh, he stole uh-huh. his uh, his essence or whatever from uh, from whatever. Yeah, it was yeah, orange. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was orange. <laughs> See, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it, it, it. I mean, again, this is a story that's not terrible. So I'm not. I'm, I, I don't think that I'm ripping it. I, I enjoy this book by far than all the other relaunch X Men books. But it's a Shadow King story, and we're already at issue five. So that means Shadow King is going to get a half, at, at a minimum, six issues to deal with the Shadow King. I'm wow. good. This is this was should have been like a, a, at the most a probably three or four issue run, and now you're going to get him six for the Shadow King for yeah. a fairly powerful. You know, I mean, again, I know the big reveal is Xavier's not dead, and I know you have to mm-hmm. deal with that, but. Uh, it's the Shadow King, so it's I, I still yeah. feel that the X Men books, and we're not going to review X Men Gold because whatever Mojo, I still think those books are kind of like swimming in the middle of the ocean. 
there's no real direction like at all for like definitely not blue and gold. I know they're stuck on, and then we're talking about a Mojo story that's going to be lasting over like almost five issues or six issues mm-hmm. too, over two yeah. different books. And I'm like, I don't think that there's, I don't think there's a real direction with them. I think they're better than they were, but they still aren't. Again, they're yeah. better than they were. It doesn't make them good. And I, I, I think that's a little bit disappointing. So, well, yeah. well did you hear that? Um, that they're going to um, add a third book when Jean Grey comes back. Six Men Red, and she's going to be the leader. So I don't know. I don't know how many X Men Jesus do they have? Yeah, they're going to have all these damn different teams, and they got well, they got they got three of, three of each person, so that helps. They can yeah. actually have the same team. But you know, when you put it that way, version. Do you do you have so, to be do you have to be red headed to be on the team? What well, okay. Bloodstorm is it? Starting to wonder. Bloodstorm is in it. Oh, yeah. What's what's that expression? Do the uh do the drapes have to match the sheets though? Like you just be like a fake redhead. <laughs> you just hair. You're like you can be a part of the team because uh, they got three or four running around now. So I think the answer is yes. This is true. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. So this will wrap up the kind of throwback Thursday for uh Inferno. Like I said, Brother Beavis has laid out a fairly decent reading. Uh, schedule for us, and I'm actually going to put that out uh, to, like, the listeners, Twitters, and Facebooks and stuff, so people can follow along if they want to to know which books we're going to cover. Um, so, yeah, we'll be jumping over from the X-Men books into X-Factor. Brother Beaver's going to read all the New Mutants for us, because mm-mm. And, um... <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. Nope, 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 And, um... Have we recorded since the New Mutants trailer? Let, let, we'll end on that. So. Have we recorded since then? Okay, I, th- um, I think we did. Are you did sure? We? I don't think we did. Uh, I, don't, I remember I don't us know. talking. I remember. Oh, maybe we just about texted it on, about it. I think. I we think we were talking about it, about it over two texts and stuff. I think. Yeah, uh, straight ass cheeks. But <laughs> um, <laughs> there is an audience for that. As much as it's not for me, there will be people that'll see that that have no interest in demon bears or new mutants or mutants or X Men. Because it's teenagers under stress, uh, under you know, in, in a horrific situation, and there's an audience for that. So I would never see it for a variety of reasons, but I also don't understand. You could have made that movie and called it anything and had nothing to do with the new mutants. So what did you think when you saw the trailer, uh, Brother Beavis? It, I mean, it looks like a, a run-of-the-mill horror movie or maybe even a good horror movie, but in right. You, this is the trend where they're like, well, we can't just do another superhero movie. So it's got to be a take on something that happens to be. I'm like, uh, does it? Uh, I mean, <laughs> you can't yeah, follow. I mean, if they follow the yeah. formula and kill off half the cast, then uh, mm-hmm. that's going to be weird. But yeah, it very much mm-hmm. feels like it could be anything that just happens to be in the movie. Yeah, it's just, yeah. yeah. It's it, what you think, Sandman. <clears throat> Yeah, Beavis pretty much said it. It seems like somebody's hot take. It's like, hey, well, let's just, we need to change it up a little bit. So let's make it a horror story and just throw them in the middle of it. I don't think it's going to have anything else to do with the, uh, the X Men universe other than, I don't know, probably at the end you might get some kind of mention of Xavier or maybe the Hellfire Club or something. I don't know. But other than yeah. that, I think it's just kind of off on its own periphery. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know what to think about it, honestly. Yeah, I don't think that's a great idea overall. Um, 
and there has been this rumor that uh, Marvel has been in negotiations with Fox to get the properties back or whatever, too. I mean, that rumor never dies, really. And, yeah. you know, whether it's true or not, whether it's partial or, you know, I, I don't really know. And at a point, it's at a point, it's not even worth, like, even talking about because you don't even know if it's true or not. But I know Marvel would have never signed off on this. I guarantee yeah. you that. Yeah, no. I guarantee you they wouldn't have been like, yeah, you know what, make a horror movie and call it New Mutants or whatever. Just fuck the characters that we spent all this time and money on. Just, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I mean, I saw it. It looked like Cabin in the Woods. I was like, mm. this looks like Cabin mm. in the Woods. Not that I saw that, but I did. <laughs> and um, Yeah, I did too. <laughs> yeah, I did. And yeah. I was like, eh, you know, that that's the first thing that I thought of when I saw it. And I'm like, mm, I think I'm okay with this. Not see, not ever. And it's just it's not going to have any ramifications or relation to any of the other X stuff that Fox is putting out. Then just call it something else. Like I don't, need, uh, said, you know, I've said this on here all the time. Like Riverdale is called Riverdale, but there's really no relation to anything that has to do with Archie and the Archie people, other than the fact that the names are the same. But you could have called it One Tree Hill. <laughs> part two yeah, and right. it would have been it wouldn't have been no difference you know and you know my right. enjoyment only comes from talking about it to people that you know you know from podcasting about it that's really my only real joy from it i don't really care mm-hmm. you don't care for the show that much you know because it is what it is so all right yeah. all right so yeah and this wraps up uh i'm gonna keep coming the thursday night comic chat but this wraps up the throwback thursday the double-sized issue for brothers comics for um the kind of the, the comic book show I remember you'll be able to find this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, rate, review, subscribe. Um, yeah, that's about it. So again, we'll we'll be back next week. Uh, we'll probably still have some legacy books in there, kind of depending upon the schedule. We might be able to hopefully finish up this uh, Avengers story and the Avengers Champions crossover. Um, I can't, I don't know if there's anything. I think the Marvel two and one actually uh, came out, brother Beavis. I think that was. Yeah, one I've been looking for about. it. I don't think it did yet. Okay, I saw something online yeah. about it. I know, and I, that's something I wanted to read too, because I know we know the Fantastic Four is coming back. Everybody should know the Fantastic Four is coming back somehow, some way. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh-huh. I know that's going to probably get tied into that book somehow. So if I they don't put Herbie out. in that book, then fuck them. That's that's Fantastic <laughs> Four. No Herbie, no Fantastic Four. Fuck that. No fuck Herb. Marvel. Yeah. Marvel. Fuck Marvel. Fuck Coke. Exactly. There's about three Kevin Smith references, by the way. All right. So, yeah. So, subscribe, review, uh, all of those types of things. Uh, share with your friends and all that. All right. So, we'll wrap up this week. Uh, I am the producer of said podcast, uh, and I am signing off. Um, Brother Beavis, go ahead and sign off. All right, we'll catch you guys next week. All right. Sandman, go ahead and sign off. Sayonara, fellow mutants. We will see you next week. All right, y'all. Take it easy. Peace. Peace.